Radio. Let's head to Latin America first as well, shall we, and speak to our man in that part of the world, John Bonfiglio, who we'd like to check in with uh, as often as we can. John, hello there, buddy. Hey, Daryl, how are you? Yes, I'm okay, mate. How are you? Most of the point. How are you keeping, staying safe? Yeah, yeah, all, all, all good here, all very quiet. There was an alcohol ban that was uh, imposed as of Saturday, so that's even more people off the streets. Um, not quite as imposed as uh, rules imposed as there are in other Latin American countries, as you've suggested. Uh, for example, in Panama, uh, now there's uh, men and women are not, not allowed to go out onto the streets on the same day, etc. So it's not quite as heavy-handed here, but for sure, I mean, I'm speaking to you from outside now, and I can't see anybody on the streets, and it's early evening, and you'd normally expect a fair few people to be out and about. So is that them taking that upon themselves then, or are they following um, just a more relaxed official advice? I think here now, I mean, it's sort of a broad Mexico context, and there's a context from where I'm speaking to you from, so that's kind of southeast, southeast Mexico. Here there's only been eight cases um, in, in the state that I'm in, so far, uh, obviously very little testing, only 50-odd tests done, and, and one death. Uh, but people are definitely very fearful that what's happening across the rest of the world, across the rest of Mexico and Latin America, is coming this way. And actually, my observation of uh, how people are, uh, are reacting to it is that everybody is very much taking it very seriously. I mean, a lot of families live multi-generationally in the same home, so I think they're also aware that if they get it, then grandma and grandpa can get it as well. So I, I definitely feel that it's it's an interesting uh, response in terms of social responsibility that we're that we're seeing here in terms of people really battening down the hatches um, and just seeing you know which way this whole thing plays out. Hmm. And it's not simple to batten down the hatches, is it, though, John? As we are, of course, finding we have. Um, and many countries across Europe and, and uh, the Western world in uh, North America uh, having stimulus packages presented by government. In terms of the help and the support that people need to stay at home, is that apparent? I think that's a really good point. I mean, a lot of people live on a bedline here, uh, and also the government and the governmental infra infrastructure does not allow, does not lend itself to being able to impose similar financial packages um, across all levels of, uh, of society here. That's just not how things are, not how, uh, uh, are established. And, and um, the nightmare scenario here, I mean, much as with the rest of the world, but the real nightmare scenario here, which is, as the mayor of Guayaquil in Ecuador described over the last couple of days, Dante-esque, is that you get such a level of, of infection and a lack of um, the state being able to deal with things that you literally get, hundreds of bodies in family homes and on the streets as you are currently seeing in ecuador that they just cannot deal with and for sure on the other side of, of that fence as well as you totally correctly say i mean i've been hearing desperate messages from from families now for a couple of weeks since this whole thing began i mean when you live on a breadline, uh, if you don't earn money that day what do you do i mean you just don't get money in for for your family uh, for them to be able to eat anything at all in that in that given day. So I think what we're seeing here is for sure the COVID-19 crisis across Latin America, but I'm also seeing and, and hearing a lot about these kind of byproduct COVID-19 um, side effects, if you like, which are just as damaging, if not more damaging, than the, than the, the, the disease itself. 
Mm, yeah, and that's that. I mean, that's that's really going to affect people potentially for some 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 time. Uh, affect businesses and will ultimately route around to to the government. What's what's is is, is there a an official line from them on on what people should and shouldn't do economically? Uh, as with um, in in Brazil and actually in a number of other Latin American countries, there seems to be a real gap between federal authorities and local state governors. Our local state governors on the whole are taking things very, very seriously and kind of clamping down and they, they don't want um, mayhem, death and absence of law and order to take place on their watch and they're the ones dealing with it. Whereas the federal authorities have been a little bit more aloof in the way that they've been, that they've been dealing with it and certainly Bolsonaro obviously at the, at the nth degree end of that continues to to regard it as a as a hysteria. I mean, he has used the word hysteria only a couple of days ago. Said response banning people from going onto the famous speech. Mm. Uh, John, we're having a couple problems with your line there. By the sounds of it, can you hear us, John? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, your line just tipped in, uh, in and out a little bit. I, I, we seem to be having quite a few problems with lines um, in in these strange times. I guess there's a higher number of people using the network. I guess I don't know. Um, you were saying that he'd uh, he'd used the word um, he'd, he'd used the word overhyped. Was it what was the what was the word that he'd used? Sorry, that he'd used it. A he couple used of times the word hysteria, and he hysteria, continues yeah, to use the word hysteria yeah. about the about the COVID crisis. Yeah, um, and which flies in the face of the local authorities um, around Brazil that are really trying to deal with um, with the situation. But for sure, he is at the nth degree of you know. I guess if you're thinking of it as kind of climate denial, if you like which he's already you know quite famous for he's definitely at the at the furthest end of that of that spectrum and Brazil has the highest rates of incidence uh, in Latin America the first infection happened there you're now up to 15,000 people and also as you said on the, on the lead into to this to this piece you know, one of the great fears at the moment is for the indigenous groups in the Amazon further field because the, those societies are not geared up I mean they already already they're the highest uh, death rate in these remote communities is respiratory disease. So this this comes into those communities, and it absolutely has the capacity to not just to decimate them uh, in terms of wipe, wiping people out, but also these societies, these communities are structured so that um, on on, a, on the basis of elders, uh, you know, and, and top down wisdom and wisdom sharing and organisation. And these diseases have the capacity to wipe out all of that knowledge and all of that infrastructure and all of that organizational capacity in one go. So a lot of these communities in the Amazon are actually fracturing themselves. They're actually dividing themselves into smaller groups of 10, 20, 30, and they're going off deeper into, into the jungle until this all blows over. There's roads that have been barricaded. Um, there's people with guns at the road stopping people from coming in. So again, this is a kind of a byproduct effect of, of COVID. Uh, beyond the disease itself. Mm. I was going to ask as well, John, if there is a uh, a communication issue as well. Those indigenous populations and communities often a little less connected, perhaps than than, than the rest of the world. Uh, but you're, but I'm, I'm, I'm from what you're saying there, that 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 doesn't sound like it's a major problem. No, I, I think of connection as a kind of a Venn diagram. You know, there's some over, there's a lot of overlap between them, and then some of them have overlap with. With other sources, um, etc. There's not. It's not as though indigenous communities have, you know, the same connectivity, if you like. That, you know, you and I would 
uh, would have on a, on a daily basis, but they're definitely not out of touch, and they have different ways in which, you know, information would would get to them, um, etc. which also occasionally is problematic because it also means that, you know, they can be abused by chances much more easily. Uh, you know, if you get them to convince some, somebody something in a remote space, then you can cause much more harm much more quickly than you would in a space where you can maybe, you know, check up on, on information and, and stuff. And I know this is not related, but that's also one of the things that happened recently with the, with the Panamanian exorcism in the jungle, which is the death of a number of people in an indigenous community was, you know, they had no contact, no standard contact with the outside world to check on the veracity of these preachers. And then it led to an absolutely horrific situation in the, in the jungle, you know, not far from Panama City. Goodness me. Well, that's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Blimey. Um, and so there's a, there's a, there's a, a greater risk of, of, of that, uh, of that happening than, uh, John, that you say. And so it, 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 does that suggest that there are people who are looking to exploit this situation and, and prey on those people with those types of things? Very much so. And also coming back into, um, a, a system of healthcare, which is privatized, that's also completely open to, uh, salesmen and chancers winging their way in and around these communities. I mean, you've got to include, you know, Donald Trump's advice on taking whatever random drugs he suggests at any press conference any given day of the week. But that's happening on a, on a local scale across Latin America as well, where, yeah, especially with the, with the economic downturn, um, one of the few things that has an economic upturn is, uh, you know, potential cures for, um, for, for the disease, whatever the truth behind it. And if, if somebody comes along to your town, village in the middle of nowhere and says this has been proved as a, as a response mechanism towards COVID-19, then you're almost certainly going to buy it uh, because it's almost better for you to, to buy it there uh, because you're not going to have a chance to be able to check out the, the truth of the, of the situation and the science behind it until well after that person's gone. And not only does that often lead to, you know, just, I mean, the best case scenario there is that the drug has no effect whatsoever. The worst case scenario, which often happens, obviously, is that people get poisoned, side effects, deaths from different issues, complications, etc., which happens uh, as standard all the time. And it's actually one of the reasons why people are so sceptical of vaccines here, uh, because of the lack of the kind of organised mandate in terms of vaccine spread that you get across the territory. So, talk about Ecuador as well, just briefly, John. I, you touched on it there. Uh, in an earlier answer um but we are seeing quite a high death rate a uh, quite a high death toll excuse me in uh, in ecuador and um that's causing some problems and creativity isn't p- perhaps the right word uh, I, I think desperation is probably the best a better a better word in terms of how that's dealt with yeah so the images that are coming out of actually the the vice president of ecuador today issued a statement apologizing for the graphic nature of the images of the photographs and the video that was coming out of Guayaquil, Ecuador's biggest city in the state of Guayas, because you literally have their bodies on the streets that have not been picked up for days because the morgues and the hospitals are overrun and just can't deal with the the capacity. Um, And I have it on good authority that the authorities there have also been told not to release official figures that they're currently registering at around 150 a day. But in the last 24 hours alone, in excess of 500 death certificates were uh, were issued in uh, in the state of, of Guayas, which has over half of the of the cases in Ecuador. And, and I say that's when um, you, you you have a you know perfect storm of COVID-19 and a lack of infrastructure and an aging population um, and a lack of 
decent healthcare, um, which leads to what is being described by all and sundry there as a genuinely horrific event in the in the country. I mean, th- th- I'm just looking at some of these pictures um, uh, now that are in a couple of the national newspapers in the last few days over here. In fact, actually today, in fact, the, the Mail run a, run a big article uh, on it, John. And, and these are images that you would expect to read in a history book. You would expect these to be images from Spanish flu or the bubonic plague or the Black Plague or the Black Death or whatever else. This is not 2020. This is not the modern world here, surely. No, you're, you're absolutely right, and that's certainly... You know, the, the reaction that um, not just that people are having in terms of seeing the, you know, the images that are coming out of Guayaquil and also not just like ordinarily, you know, you see a disaster, the, the tsunami or something. And I always feel this. Um, but I feel that the, one of the really interesting things about this globe event that we're going through is that it's not distant for anybody. That it's wherever you see the images from, it's all even if that image isn't where you are. At that particular point in time, it feels as though it's your, it's so it's your crisis, and it feels that much more immediate. And I think you're absolutely right that that's where it becomes so viscerally present for us is that you see those bodies on the street corners, and ordinarily you go, oh, this happens in that place, but this has the potential to happen. What is already happening here and now for us all, wherever it is that we are. One of the things that you and I have talked about uh, quite a bit. Uh, John is the, the the Day of the Dead um, ceremonies in, uh, in 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 Mexico and Brazil and across Latin America. Um, listen, the, the the reality is that one of the things that we are facing up to during this whole crisis is mortality and the idea of mortality. And we've discussed this before in the context of these uh, these festivals and these events that take place in 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 in, in uh, the cultures that you are close to, and. The preparedness, essentially, for that, that the people of uh, many Latin American countries have, they are very different in the way that they deal with mortality and with death. And that's something that you've talked about personally as well in your experience. Does that essentially make them, in a sense, sort of better prepared to deal with this kind of situation? I think emotionally, for sure. And, and, and I'd say that it's not as though, you know, you come to deal with death in these cultures at a, at a death point. You You kind of death features in life on any given day and is a and is a component of life and is and is regarded as such i think it, it doesn't mean that when you come to the to the rawness of the of the event or the closeness to the potential event that people are any more prepared for it there and then but i think almost like emotionally and um and intellectually if you like they they regard it differently and perhaps it can be processed differently maybe processed better than in than in Western societies, I'd probably definitely argue argue that. But I don't see, like, if I'm thinking about how people are thinking about this here and maybe in the UK or the US, etc., um, I don't see that the people here are any less fearful of what may happen than they would be elsewhere. But I think they just come at it in a kind of tangential way a little bit, which perhaps makes it, as I say, slightly easier to to process or, or, or regarded as much more of a, a natural component rather than a foreign uh, thing to be avoided, avoided at all time. And people are, I suppose, in that sense, much more phlegmatic about, you know, about the fact that um, it's going to happen to us all at some point uh, down the line. Mm. Uh, John, for now, um, nice to chat. We'll do it again a little further down the line. And um, keep well, look after yourself, stay safe, and we'll catch up soon, all right? 
you too. Take care, Daryl. Thank you, John. John Bonfinglio for us in Mexico this morning.